Hey friends, welcome. We are about to enter into a really hard conversation topic with a group of my mom friends, each of a different ethnic and racial background. And so I ask for you to give us grace if we misspeak. Our hope is this will encourage your heart to develop friendships with people that are different than you and to enter into conversations of race with them in hopes of knowing better and doing better. One resource I'd like to provide for you is Be The Bridge Nonprofit. You can find more information about this nonprofit at bethebridge.com. It's a great resource if you want to take those next steps after listening to our conversation. All right, let's do this. You're listening to Always Working Mom Podcast, where we believe all moms are working moms. We want to encourage and strengthen all moms, working moms, stay-at-home moms, mothers-to-be, women that desire to be moms, and everyone in between by sharing personal stories from mothers working hard everywhere and gospel-centered resources. Together, let's humble ourselves and listen to one another's stories and grow our empathy for each other. Listening will help us focus less on our differences and more on supporting one another. Because if we can come together on the small things in life, then we can come together on the big issues. I'm your host, Vivian Knox, career mom of two little ones and chips and salsa lover. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me today in this very awkward, uncomfortable, and sensitive conversation. Um, I want to first just say that, um, you know, we're all just here talking as friends, um, and we can go around and kind of say what our um, races and background is so that people understand, like, where our opinions and perspectives are coming from and we're not for example I'm half Arab and half Mexican I'm not speaking on behalf of all Arab Mexican Americans right now okay so (laughs) I'm speaking on behalf of me and my life in my perspective so I'm Vivian grew up in Sugarland Texas and was fortunate enough to go throughout all of my school years in a very Um, diverse um, race, um, ethnicity group. So I encountered every type of different culture. So that was really cool. And so I felt um, very comfortable um, being a firstborn American. Um, Both my parents, um, you know, moved here. Um, And yeah, I mean, here I am. That's me. Tony. Tony. Um, so I am Filipino by heritage, but I spent half my life in Africa. So I feel like that is part of who I am. Um, I went to school kind of in different countries, but uh, went to college here in, in the U.S. Um, what else? <laughs> no, that's good. I yeah. mean, you've lived your adult life where? California, now here in Texas. Yeah, so I lived, actually um, went to school in New Jersey mm-hmm. and moved to uh, Texas, I'm sorry, to California um, with my husband. Um, but, you know, I came here on a U.S. visa, mm-hmm. on, a, on a student visa. So I guess my daughter's first generation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of 
you know, feel like I've been here for a while, but I feel like I I identify myself with kind of half African, half Filipino, just because I grew up there. Um, So yeah, just a little bit about me. And you're in an interracial marriage. I I guess I should say that too. My husband, Brian, is white and he, can I say this like being very sensitive? He's white, white. Like he was born and raised in the country. Okay, guys, like yeah. farmland country. Yeah. So in Texas, where he has a very different experience where he was not introduced to hardly any different types of race. Um, yeah. So you're yes. in an interracial marriage, Tony. Yes. So my husband is African-American. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, have a daughter who's half. So I always try to instill kind of both cultures you know, I want her to be proud of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thanks. All right, Sarah. Hello. Tell me your background. So I grew up in a relatively small town in West Texas in the Panhandle. Um, went to a predominantly white high school. That was just the high school that I was zoned for. Mm-hmm. And I would say it was probably at least 90% white. Mm-hmm. Um, really just not a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um and then came to TCU, mm-hmm. and I am married to a white man. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've lived a lot of different places. Um, but yeah, thank you. There you go, <laughs> Chrysler. Well, I'm a black woman, and I am married to a white man, so interracial relationship. I, I grew up in uh, a few different states, Texas, Florida, Connecticut, went to college in New York, worked in Ohio, moved back to Texas. So I've kind of been around a little bit. Um, But growing up, I lived in very um, white suburban neighborhoods. And so I always was not just the minority because I'm black, but also in number too. So um, that was always something that I saw or I, I just noticed and experienced. Um, but what's interesting is that I always went to a predominantly black church. So I feel like I was kind of in two different worlds at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, And my children obviously are half black, half white. And so that has been something that has really been more so in the forefront of my mind mm-hmm. since... Um, since they were born, so. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, so something that, of course, God is so good and sometimes comical because I've been um, reading the Bible in a Year plan by D groups, and Me too. I listen to Tara Lee Cobble. I swear we're friends, <laughs> so or at least I pretend to be. Um, but she was um, wrapping up. I think it was day thirty of of the, um, whatever we were reading Exodus one through three on day 30, but she has a podcast that follows up the reading plan to kind of give an overview. And of course it, she kind of wrapped up what Pharaoh was talking about. And this is the time where we're all familiar about, um, the story before Moses comes to say, Hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. Mm -hmm. Right. We all know we all know the song. Oh, okay. So, um, or at least everyone does in the South. Um, but, uh, so Pharaoh has, this is a new Pharaoh has forgotten good old Joseph and, and now 
the Hebrews are enslaved. And so she's unpacking kind of what Pharaoh's heart is and why the Hebrews are enslaved. And she says that Pharaoh is racist towards the Hebrews, the Jews. He enslaves them as a result of this. And she says that, you know, Pharaoh dreams up this hypothetical war and fears going to war with the Hebrews because they've grown um, in such great numbers, larger than the Egyptians. And so he goes ahead and enslaves them to protect himself. And she says, what drives a lot of racism is fear and self-preservation. When we aim to protect ourselves instead of God for protection, Mm -hmm. we take matters into our own hands to try to secure our future, which leaves us unable to love others well. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very helpful Mm -hmm. in the description, not only of the story of Pharaoh and Moses, um, but just to give myself like a background of what is racism, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and why are we still even dealing with this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's just helpful um, perspective to take into this conversation. Um, I've just finished reading a book also by Latasha Morrison called Be the Bridge. Go look her up and, and go look up her book. It's because it's so good. Um, now, obviously, I can't like talk about all of the book, but in two minutes, you know, she describes talking about racial re- reconciliation from the perspective of we need to have a posture of humility, awareness of the truth, acknowledgement, lamenting, Empathy, seeking and extending forgiveness, and making amends. How does this make you guys feel? Um, I know you might not have read the book or maybe you don't know who Latasha is. Uh, I know, Sarah, you know who Latasha is just on social media and and things like that. Um, But I will say reading the book was not only eye-opening for myself because I would not identify myself as racist because... I'm a minority. Um, But when she discusses lamenting and making amends for potential perspectives, potential things that maybe I've gained because I, on the outside, look more white um, than a minority, um, yeah, it was just a, a tough pill to swallow. So, I mean, how does that make you feel? when I read that list of all of our posturing that she's suggesting we start with to racially reconcile. I don't think that, you know, it's prescriptive. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think everybody necessarily needs to follow. I mean, I think it's great. I think what she's advising, you know, sounds good, but I feel like it's it's about self-reflection, you know, who, who am I mm. and who am I to the context of my community? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like I, I look at my five-year-old and, you know, the way she sees the world is how we should see the world. Kind of like children, you know, there's no difference. Right. You know, we are all God's children. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, I guess, how I feel. Like, it's all kind of personal. You know, we kind of deal with it in our own way based on how we grew up and who we're around and you know, so. Yeah. No, that's good. I think for me, 
when I hear that, I have to say, as a white woman, like, I don't know what it's like to be black in America. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I will never understand. Mm -hmm. But as a believer and as part of the body of Christ, it's important for me to say to Chrysler, what is your experience? Like, to understand. Because I think it's sometimes easy to stick your head in the sand. Like, you know it's out there. Right. But it doesn't. It doesn't affect me on the day-to-day basis, um, but it does. It does people around me, and just because it's not affecting me doesn't mean I shouldn't try to understand mm-hmm. and like help dialogue. Because if we keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result, as they say, like things aren't going to change. And so I think as a parent, which I know we'll get into later, but mm-hmm. like it's. I don't know. It's been really brought to the forefront of my mind as raising white children in America. Like, if we we know this is an issue, how are we going to change it? And it's by dialoguing about it. Right. I think in the same right, um, as the minority in the conversation between Mm -hmm. you and I, I would have to be open to you coming to me and saying, I don't get this. Why is, why are people upset or Mm -hmm. what's your experience? And me being okay with you asking the question that way we can have an open dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, there are people who are not okay with those questions being asked and that, that keeps the wall up Mm -hmm. when we are able to even just peek over the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, just just be okay with, okay, recognizing there is a wall there. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather see change come from somebody saying, I don't understand. Can you please help me? Or, um, you know, and because I deal with this in my classroom all the time. Mm-hmm. And I have had students say to me, I want to ask, mm-hmm. but I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. I want to know but I don't know how people are going to take it. Mm-hmm. So there are people out there who want to know. They want to change. They want to have an understanding. They 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 want to at least hear the experience. Um, but there are people who just aren't ready or willing to um, share or be open mm-hmm. um, and accept those questions. So um, I don't know. I just... I. Somebody who has not lived my life can't know what my experience is unless I openly share that with them. Right. So, um, you know, I can't be mad at somebody who really is coming to me in a very humble manner and saying, okay, let's, let's talk. Yeah. I think then it's fair to say or even suggest that we need to come from a posture of humility and a posture of giving others the benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. right? Like not just assuming what one person's words are, jumping to conclusion what they actually mean or what's behind them. Like what's their motive? What's their heart, right? Because we can hear the words, but we're not mind readers. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know if they said those words to be mean or to be naive or or what, you know? you know, specifically for us locally here in the Dallas area, um, we witnessed recently just the news coverage about Botham Jean. Am I saying his name right? 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So not going into his case, Google it, but you know, the, it was a racial trial in the sense that, um, he is a black man and, um, was shot by a white female police officer here in the Dallas area. And on my Facebook newsfeed during the trial, um, there was a very moving part in his trial where his brother was on the stand and forgave, not only forgave, but hugged uh, the police officer, um, which brought me personally to tears just of, I would be full-fledged angry and after revenge if I were in that brother's shoes. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that was very moving. And I posted on Facebook, um, on my feed, wow, what a Christ-like example to be um, so full of love and so full of extending mercy um, to that person that killed his brother. Um, on that same time on my Facebook newsfeed, I had um, sweet friends um, who were um, a couple of black females that posted, if you're just now for the first time posting about the trial uh, because of the brother forgiving, um, you should not you should not be commenting if you're just now caring. Um, and and to me that and, and maybe I'm because I've come from a posture that's not healthy that I'm a people pleaser, so I want everybody to like me, mm-hmm. and that's not good, right? That's fear of man. Um, so I know that that's that's a sin. Um, but for me, I was just like, oh shoot, did I mess up? Like, did I mess up and not post something before. And so shame on me. Like, does that make me racist? You know, did I hurt my friend's feelings for posting that? Like, was their Facebook post directed at me or just in general, because it was such a flood of people posting about that apology. Um, How does that make y'all, I mean, y'all feel like, again, it's just such an awkward, awkward conversation and so sensitive. I would say that, we can't assume if somebody doesn't comment that they don't care. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's just that's a prejudgment right there. Mm-hmm. You're assuming that somebody doesn't care because they simply don't comment. Um, we know that people are uncomfortable in these situations. They don't know what to say. Maybe they're still wrestling with their feelings about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so if they're still not sure how they feel, if they don't really know, maybe they don't even know the whole story. Like, there's so many reasons why people may not comment. Right. So we can't assume that just because they don't. That they don't care. That, yeah, yeah. that they don't care or they're racist or whatever. I think additionally with that, There's such a difficulty with people understanding um, what forgiveness is Mm -hmm. and why it is healthy for us. Um, That I think that's a whole nother topic in and of itself. Right, just the whole idea of forgiveness, and um, so 
I don't know. That's just my take on that particular response. Tony, you said something to me that was helpful because I, I, I obviously I did and I still do wrestle with guilt of was I in the wrong for posting that? Was I offensive? You know, was I insensitive? Did I lack empathy? Yeah. You know, I, yeah. So share. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's the problem with social media, right? Is that, you know, you know, we can use it for the positive. Like in your case, Vivian, you're trying to show empathy and, you know, kind of share about this experience that happened on a public platform. But people misconstrue that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it totally kind of, it almost kind of backfired. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, as long as you're comfortable with how you stand or how, you know, who your identity is, I wouldn't have taken that you know, the way you would have taken it. I would right. have just said, you know, this pe- this person feels that way. They can, you know, have their own opinion, but I know how I feel. And that's kind of how, I guess, if I was in your shoes, that's how I would have felt about it. But at, I feel like at the same time, that's why I personally avoid, I guess, posting kind of very controversial, uh, controversial things just because I know it's going to be taken the wrong way, you know? Right. I don't like... Um, commenting on, you know, anything that's political, anything that's religious, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe now and then, but I just feel like anybody can just take that the wrong way, you know? Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, just personally how I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, just a fear of saying the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that social media isn't necessarily the place to dialogue with 1,500 of your closest friends <laughs> about a really sensitive topic. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, that you can find a safe place where there's grace and where you can, you know, open hands and say, I want to learn. Mm-hmm. I want to know more mm-hmm. with somebody that is ready to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Here's how I'm feeling. Yeah. Right? Not, and I think that's just what fuels so much of it today, too. I mean, is not fuels it. That's wrong. What am I trying to say? There's just only so much you can say in mm-hmm. 50 characters. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Man, talking about just conversations, okay, in real life, though, not on social media, with your community, with your friends, with your family, how does racism affect those conversations with people of different race than you? Does it, does it have an effect? I mean, for me, I will say, man, I walk on eggshells. I'm just so afraid, again, from a place of like, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make anyone offended. Like, I really, truly love people. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some people, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus. Um, but for the most part, like, if you're in my circle of group, like, I'm not going to say something intentionally mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, therefore, when a, when something comes up, like, I am very anxious of thinking, wow, how, I wonder if they interpreted that wrong. I wonder if I said the wrong thing there. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like for example, I love touch. Like touch is my um, second love language. Like gifts isn't my number one. If you're familiar with five love languages, and so I'm a very touchy feely person with my friends, and so I like touching people's hair, and I like it when people touch my hair. Like I have really long black hair, and it's thick, and so you know I love it when people come up and touch it, and like, oh my gosh, you're, you have such long beautiful hair, and so I like to touch other people's hair. All right, but. I am so scared, if I'm honest, like to touch a black woman's hair mm-hmm. because I've read or somewhere heard or whatever that that's not appropriate. And but for me, I'm like, then I'm like, but I would touch Tony. I would touch your hair and you're Asian, you know. And Sarah yeah. would touch your hair. Like it has nothing to do with race. But I'm just so like, do I touch the hair? Do I mention their hair? Should I say anything about hair? Don't talk about washing their hair. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's where my thoughts go. Oh my god! And like, yeah. That's where my thoughts go. Am I crazy? Well, I know I'm crazy, but... No. <laughs> no. But I think it's so good just that we're just even saying that out loud, right? Yeah. Absolutely. you're right, yeah. Yeah. You're like, this is what's going on in my mind. Like, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I... So, th- the topic of hair is hysterical because there are... Um, there are some no-nos mm-hmm. with touching a black woman's hair. And, um, see, I don't think I knew this. Oh, you didn't? I don't think so. Yeah. Like you, I mean, I would, I would say that I don't touch people's hair. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe I'm I'm weird. (laughs) Um, I would say that a lot of black women would be, um, would not be happy if you walked up and touched their hair. And, Mm -hmm. um, it is not something common to see even black women touch black women touching each other's hair. Mm-hmm. That's not something you commonly see. Mm-hmm. But you will more often see white women touching each other's hair. Yeah. yeah. So I think that there is even just um, between those two groups specifically, mm-hmm. it's just more common for white women to touch each other's hair versus black women. Um, but um, recently I saw a post um, on Instagram. Rachel Hollis posted about her daughter, Noah, and about how she's, you know, trying to figure out how to style her hair. And I, I don't know what her racial background is. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe she's mixed, um, but, um, or biracial, multiracial. Um, but she does not have the same hair texture as Rachel Hollis. So Mm -hmm. she's like, I've been trying to figure out how to do her hair and how to do it in a manner that honors her, you know, that Mm -hmm. I'm not just throwing stuff in her hair and and so forth. And so um, she showed the most darling picture of her in a bonnet. And there were so many comments from minority women saying, here, try this, you know, or thank you for actually noticing this and recognizing that Noah has different hair than you and there's, there's steps you need to take. So I think that even something like that is important. Like we need to recognize that not everybody has the same hair and, Mm -hmm. you know, there are no-nos when you go to, you know, have a conversation with somebody and you go to, you know, hug them, like you don't touch their hair at the same time, especially if it's a black woman, like, mm-hmm. uh-uh, not, not having it. Yeah. Um, I would be 
and and we're very good friends. Yeah. You yeah. know, we we've been through a lot together. Mm-hmm. We know each other's junk. But if you were to touch my hair, it would make me uncomfortable. You know, like <laughs> uh, it, you know, that's awkward laughter. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is I wouldn't feel awkward touching your hair. Yeah. Like I would, I I would, would love it if you touched my hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now I know. I can play with your hair. <laughs> I mean, for you and I, I will say that because of our relationship, if I were to accidentally touch your hair, I would awkwardly be like laughing and be like, oh my gosh, did I just mess up and not like, (laughs) and touched your hair? You know, um, I have a girlfriend, um, that I met through my son and, and she's black and she has the prettiest kinky curls. And then someday she straightens it. Um, and I'm obsessed with her hair. And every time I hug her, I have to like, in my mind, say, don't touch her hair. Don't touch her hair. <laughs> and if I were to touch her hair, I would feel like the biggest butthead, you know? And yeah. just be like, I'm so sorry. Was I supposed to not touch your hair? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then and then I would be so afraid that we would lose our friendship because... I, th- I touched your hair. Is right. that so stu- like it's so <laughs> stupid? But that like literally, this is how race affects my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. with people that I'm not really good friends with. You know? Yeah. It's funny because my my stepdaughter, she's 24, mm-hmm. and she, I mean she has beautiful, beautiful hair, yeah, long, she does. curly. And we've had this conversation where she said, you know, people always want to touch my hair, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't like it. You yeah. Know? So. It's kind of interesting. But but the other thing I was going to say is, you know, I lived in Africa like half my life. And I feel like moving here, people are so sensitive. Like, it's so different. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's all this, like, trying to be politically correct and yeah. just walking on eggshells, like you said. And I felt like growing up there, it wasn't like that at all. I mean, there was the, the classes, let's say. So you had the, the foreigners and you had the locals. You know what I mean? And there was that kind of dynamics. Maybe... Different, but I just find it interesting that America is like the melting pot. You know, all immigrants. I mean, we're pretty much all immigrants, unless you're Native Indian. Right, right. But I feel like, despite that, we're so divided in the fact that mm-hmm. you know, just thinking about someone's hair makes us, you know, yeah. anxious. Yes. You know, you know yeah. I just think it's just so interesting. Mm-hmm. I wish that we could just give each other grace. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like for me, like. With 9-11 and everything, and and maybe it was inappropriate for me, but my brother's a pilot. My last name at the time was Khalil, you know, um, it's an Arab name. Um, You know, when people said certain things, it didn't bother me, but that's me, right? Like, um, and so I'm a pretty big grace giver like if people made the assumption that my mom who's Mexican if her family came in here illegally or made a made a you know a racial joke like I wouldn't snap at them right like if it was super sensitive I probably would have a conversation with them an awkward one um and so therefore I wish I wish like what you're saying Tony like I wish we could just like put put the these like defense mechanisms like down Mm. and just like give each other the benefit of the doubt, number one, and be able just to be like, hey, dude, like, don't touch my hair, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I pro- you know, like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. But yeah. yeah, I do feel super tense and super anxious. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't treat someone else like that, so I don't know why I'm so tense and anxious thinking that they would treat me 
poorly because of a comment or a touch or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess talking about race, how how does racism or racial topics impact your parenting? I mean, does it even impact your parenting? I mean, I know for for a couple of you know, Chrysler and Tony, like y'all are y'all take this one first because y'all are a, a biracial family. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, with um, my daughter who's half Filipino, half black. I always feel like I have to instill in her to be proud of it because, I mean, these are like small things, but she'll say to me, mommy, I want to have hair like yours, you know, because her mm. hair is a little bit wavy. Yeah. And I always have to say, look, baby, your hair is beautiful. Like there's nothing wrong with your hair. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, she'll identify the lighter skin doll as a prettier doll. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, that doesn't, that's not right. Like you shouldn't think that way. Mm-hmm. So I always feel like, she's always influenced by what she sees as kind of the majority. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe in school, you know, the white people are the majority, and therefore that's what's considered beautiful. Um, and I feel like in this conversation we're talking about, like, white and black, but I feel like all this racial, like, like it happens everywhere. And, like, if I could just speak on, like, the Filipino culture, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, in the Philippines, like, everyone uh, uses bleach. I mean, it's the norm. Mm-hmm. And it just, it drives me crazy. Like, why do they want to be light? Yeah. And it's because their media, you know, the, the media that they see, all of the stars, all the artists that are deemed beautiful are all like, they look white. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, why do they feel that way? And then you just think about the history, right? Mm-hmm. They were they were conquered by the Spaniards. Mm-hmm. The Spaniards were the, the so-called, you know, the rich people. Mm-hmm. And they intermingled. And it's like, if you weren't lighter skin mm-hmm. than you are of a social a different social class mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so I feel like it, it just goes so deep but it just like for me it just upsets me that like why do my parents like you know they even they didn't even like the fact that I married a black man like that was a whole mm-hmm. you know drama mm-hmm. in my house like mm-hmm. uh that was just crazy mm-hmm. you know it had to like I had to like fight for it mm-hmm. but in their mind it was like if I married somebody who was white I would have been a better social class Mm -hmm. you know and the fact that I married black I was you know below that Mm -hmm. and I just wish that they would also be I mean they lived in Africa too and you know you know we had maids we had drivers I mean that was just the way of life and maybe that's where they're coming from but I feel like it's it was it was that but it was also the fact that you know in the Filipino culture you know you just you're not supposed to be darker skin you know Mm -hmm. um you know, like when, when we go there and we go to the beach, it's like, hey, make sure you have long sleeves on. Like, don't don't sit in the sun. And I just, it's just strange to me, you mm-hmm. know. But in terms of parenting, yeah, I always want, I always want my daughter to feel like there's nothing wrong with her. Her hair's beautiful. Her skin's beautiful. You know, don't, don't feel like you need to adjust. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I kind of no. rambled. That's good. No, this is, this. that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank that you. That is good. Mm. Um, you mentioned history, and I think there's a lot that um, is kind of an historical hangover from, um, you know, various generations, the various events that happened, whether we're talking about wars that happened with particular groups or slavery or movements, you know, whatever. It's definitely we still see um the effects of those things. And so, um, you know, for me growing up 
totally in the United States, um, I still see there's a lot of historical hangover, you know, from, from different, different things. But as a parent, um, you know, I even found myself when I was the very first time I sat down to, um, check boxes for my oldest son, um, at the doctor, you know, you go to the doctor, they're, you know, two days old and you go to the pediatrician for the first time and, um, you're filling out all the paperwork and, okay, so my background is teaching sociology for many years, you know, about nine years probably before my son was born. And I'm already having these conversations and, you know, making my students feel really awkward sometimes in class. But when I sat down to fill out the paperwork and to fill out the boxes that said, um, you know, what what is his race, Mm -hmm. I paused. And then I laughed at myself because I was like, why am I pausing? Like, I know he's half black, half white. So just check the boxes. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I, you know, I was thinking about all of the boxes that people have to check, you know, and all the times when you are applying for um, colleges, when you are applying for scholarships, when you are applying for jobs, obviously, you know, in the job, it's a voluntary thing, but Mm -hmm. it's still there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When you are completing the census, like all these different places. And it just reminded me that, um, that labels are important and Mm -hmm. that my children are going to be labeled. And how do I, how do I teach them, you know, appropriately what those labels mean? And like you were saying, Tony, about, you know, just helping remind them to be proud of that. Um, and that as Christians, the man given labels don't really even matter in the grand scheme of things, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was like my first, like with my kids. And since then, you know, kids are very vocal. So, you know, at maybe two, my son would say, well, mommy, you're black and daddy's white. And so then, you know, I started recognizing he sees a difference in us. Right. So, you know, it's just been things like that as I've kind of moved through, okay, my kids are saying it, they're recognizing it. How do I respond as a mm-hmm. parent? How do I teach them that it's okay? And, you know, that they're not going to see um, mixed race families all over the place. Um, so that's been really just a constant reminder for me mm-hmm. um, to just teach them appropriately, let them speak, let them ask questions um, not cut them off, you know, those types of things. Cause as parents, sometimes they ask you 800 million mm-hmm. questions and you're like, could you just, I need you to stop right now, <laughs> like, but they need to be able to ask, Yeah, you know, they need to know, they want to know. So that's been, that's been an interesting journey with them. <laughs> yeah. Does it impact you, Sarah? See, that's the thing. Like, if I'm being honest, like if I yeah. really sit and say, does race affect my parenting? I would say no. Mm-hmm. And like to really acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes maybe as a white mother, we are different. God created us all differently. Like, and I think as a mom, sometimes I'm fearful about how to approach this because mm. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And 
I because it doesn't affect me on a daily basis. Therefore, it's not a part of our daily conversations and our. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it's just not, mm-hmm. and that's not right, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so yeah, I and I'm aware of that, mm-hmm. and I so that's why I, I do want to have conversations mm-hmm. and expose them because just really, frankly, where we live, they're not exposed to diversity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they need to be mm-hmm. um they just need to be so. yeah yeah exposure is really um is really important so when um my husband and I um went to a friend's one of his friend's houses um he was married and they have uh three children uh, at the time they just had the two girls mm-hmm. and um <laughs> it was the first time I was meeting um, his family. And when one of the little girls came out of the room, I mean, she stopped dead in her tracks, stared eyes wide, mouth open. I mean, just, and it was so awkward Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because she just couldn't believe what she was seeing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when we went to their house, they they were so friendly. I mean, it was my husband's, one of my husband's best friends. Like, he was in our wedding, you know. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, they're, they're close, as close as guys can be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, again, it was one of those reminders that not all kids are exposed mm-hmm. to people who look different than them. Right. And um, it took a little while for her to actually fully step into the room and I don't even think that night she fully engaged with me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, since then, you know, um, I've seen her again and, she, you know, obviously she's fine and everything. But it was just, again, one of those moments that it was clear she had not been mm-hmm. as exposed mm-hmm. as um, we, we think kids should be and mm-hmm. we think people should be. So, yeah. I was going to ask Crystal a question real quick. Like, do you feel like your kids at school gravitate to people who look like them or do they, you know, cause I feel like with my daughter, it happens. Like, mm-hmm. um, she's got a couple of best friends or she had, um, and I'll say, so, you know, so why do you like so? And so like, why are they your best friend? And there was one day where she said, because they're brown. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, oh, that's very interesting. Like, mm-hmm. You know, she must've said that when she was four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wonder like, is there are we already built in with a bias to be with people that look like us? Mm-hmm. Just kind of putting it out there. I yeah. wonder about that. Yeah. I would say we do gravitate to mm-hmm. people who are, who are like us. And, um, you know, for me, for example, looking for um, an OBGYN, I had seen um, a white female and a black female, and I was so much more comfortable with a black female doctor. And, um, you know, the, the white female was nice. She wasn't a bad doctor. You know, there wasn't an incident with her or anything, but the black female doctor, I was just more comfortable with. And I, I would say that we do gravitate, um, in many ways, even not just racially, but by social class, even by education or common interests, we do tend to gravitate towards people who are like us. So, my children, though, um, I don't know if I've seen them 
um, with friends who look like them. Um, so I don't, that's a good question. I never really even thought about it. Um, so it's probably something that I will now start to kind of look at and maybe even ask them and say, you know, why do you like so-and-so or why are they your friend or what have you? Because that's, that's a really good question. Yeah. Love it. I think that's a funny question because, you know, for example, here in our house, like there's a joke that the kids have noticed that when we're outside and sweaty, I smell worse than Brian. And we all joke that it's like, um, and I'm I'm comfortable joking with this because we joke about it at my at my personal home growing up that my dad smelled like garlic all the time, mm. and um, I inherited that smell. Like I have bad bo. Like <laughs> I just have always had bad bo. Like I can sweat in the winter and it smells. And so, um, the kids were talking about it because we're all outside, and here we are with a couple of Caleb's um, friends who are black, and one of the little boys. Um, said, oh yeah, I wear deodorant because black people smell. And I immediately felt like super uncomfortable because I didn't want Caleb to think, oh, all black people smell. Do you know what I mean? And then as a parent, like, I just avoided it that day. Like, I was just like, I'm not going to say anything because the last thing I need is, you know, this kid is already telling people that I smell worse (laughs) than Brian. (laughs) My mommy is, I don't even know if he really, truly understands. He knows my mom's from Mexico. Um, But, you know, I don't know if Caleb truly understands that I'm half Arab, half Mexican. And um, he just knows that I smell worse than Brian. Um, That's so funny. You know, like, I just, I just feel like, I don't know if it's because Adam was Caleb's first friend or if Caleb just is a little free spirit who just awkwardly gravitates to everyone. Like all the boys he's currently in a little group with, he currently plays basketball with on a team. And there's one that's half um, Puerto Rican and half white. And there's a couple half um, black, half white, um, you know, full black. I mean, this this team and then three of them are all white and then there's Caleb. Um I don't. I don't know. I know personally. I gravitate to biracial people only because mm-hmm. I feel like they understand, even if they're not the same. Which they're not the same race because half Arab, half Mexican. I've never met another person like me face to face. But um, I just gravitate toward, towards biracial families, and so therefore my kids are exposed to biracial families mm-hmm. more frequently because I feel like they get it right. Like um, they get my experience that we didn't have like growing up, structure, traditional culture stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because my dad's Arab. His first time eating tamales was when he got married with my mom, you know? So it's just like weird things, you know? Like you have tamales at Christmas, you know? So I don't know. There's a lot of just odd, mm-hmm. odd things, you know? And so I feel like other biracial families like get it because they have odd combinations of traditions or just yeah, whatever. They have their thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That just made me think your story, Vivian, that, um, like, I remember going to college when I was in New Jersey and having, like, growing up in Africa, like, I just gravitated towards the black people. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because in the dining hall, there was a section where the black people sat Mm -hmm. and there was a section where the white people sat. And it wasn't anything racist, but it just kind of ended up that way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you were a white person and you sat there, you had to be cool. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you had to be with the in background, right? Right. Otherwise, it would just been like, why are you sitting here? And I just think it's interesting, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I always identified myself with that group for whatever mm-hmm. reason, you know? Mm-hmm. So. There's actually been a lot of different studies on college campuses and self-segregation. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. That it, um, it's seen a lot on college mm-hmm. campuses where students will self-segregate and minority groups will s- sit together and um, whites will sit together. And it's just, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it, and it's funny because I, when I have those conversations with my students, you know, I have the ones who will say even, well, why would you even do that? Because that just shows that you're a racist. And then you can see, like, the, there's the students behind them or the ones that they can't see, the eye rolls or just the big size, you know. And then I'm like, all right, let's have this conversation, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I, I love that you that you said that because it is it is true you know on a lot of college campuses you see that groups separate themselves and if you um are not a part of that group racially speaking or part of that ethnicity and you are to sit with them then you have to be um okayed right Mm -hmm. you know you it has to be acceptable unofficially approved right (laughs) right yeah i think one thing that's cool for example or helpful to to expose a suggestion, mm-hmm. I would say, is that uh, Mila's, I can't remember if it was her first birthday or if it was her second birthday, but Chrysler, you bought her a, um, what is that called? Um, the Target dolls, the R Generation dolls. Mm-hmm. Um, you bought her a doll that was a black girl mm-hmm. um, with really kinky curly hair. Um, and it was funny because that same one, my mom had bought her a Target you know, version of a um, Hispanic Latin doll mm-hmm. looking doll. And and now as she's older, she has um, an American girl doll who's white from the fifties. It's so funny. Yeah. So she has like all her three like dolls that are the 18 inch big dolls are all three different races. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, the hair messes up and stuff. And so, like, Mila's learned, like, you can't brush the black girl doll's hair with the American girl doll brush, mm-hmm. right? Because it's wired and it messes up the kinky curls. And then um, it's just, like, interesting things like watching Mila, like, ask me, okay, can you fix her hair? Or um, I don't know. Like, she, I don't think she... I think she knows, obviously, that the skin color is a different color, Mm -hmm. but, like, because I think she was exposed to playing with different looking Mm -hmm. dolls, and then we've just been fortunate enough to have a lot of different ethnic backgrounds and race groups, Um, and obviously, they can see the difference between when my family is around versus when Brian's family is around, Mm -hmm. and my family, you know, speaks another language also, and whatnot. Um, They just have had all this exposure that, yes, they say maybe politically incorrect things or, you know, they make me feel uncomfortable sometimes by saying, you know, somebody smells um, and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. Like, I think that's a helpful way if, if people aren't around mm-hmm. certain people to to buy toys that don't look like them or um, 
to find people. I know that's awkward, like to like yeah. be like, "Hey, you want to be friends?" Because you're a different race, you know. <laughs> but um, I mean, that's literally, literally racial. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Just seek it out. Yeah. I think it's yeah. okay yeah. to like if you see someone. Obviously, like going to the same school that your kids are going to, and you meet see them at a whatever school event or a whatever thing on a sports team mm-hmm. or a dance team or whatever the case is, like. I mean, don't you think that's okay to be like, obviously not go up to them and be like, hey, hey, Chrysler, you're black. Would you like to be <laughs> friends? Um, you know, but it's okay to purposely seek out a friendship because, mm-hmm. is that okay? I would say it's it's fine. I mean, you're, especially if your intention is to learn more about mm-hmm. that person and to truly dig into a friendship. Mm-hmm. as well as expose your children to other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's back to what you were saying, Tony, about intention and where you have to be grounded in your identity and what your intention is. Mm-hmm. You, and a lot of that has to do with self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Are people really going to sit down and think about, think through what they're saying and what they're doing and what their thoughts are and where they come from? Um Maybe that's a big part of the problem is we're not as Mm self-reflective as we need to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like, Sarah, you are in the sense that you're willing to come and have this conversation Mm -hmm. and, you know, be the only white girl (laughs) (laughs) with all these minorities (laughs) saying, I don't get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they're, Mm -hmm. I think that people just need to stop and be like, okay, what is my intention? I really want to know this person. Yeah. And I think for me, like, knowing it's not going to happen overnight. Like, this isn't yeah. like, oh, we sit down and have a good conversation and, like, hey, mm-hmm. no, we're good. Like All the world's a, problems are fixed. Yeah, like a <laughs> lifelong, like, especially as a parent, you know, like, just continuing to have discussion and understanding and exposure and seeking out something different than myself. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. I was just reflecting on um, something that happened a couple of years ago. You you helped me remind uh, myself when I when you talked about the dolls. Mm-hmm. So I was in Target with my daughter, and we were in the toy section, and there was a white lady with her daughter behind us, kind of doing the same thing, looking for a doll. And well, she had picked out a doll that was black, mm-hmm. and her mother was like, "Well, no, you don't want that one." Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Oh, that's very interesting." Like she's trying to have. To get her daughter to pick the one that looked like her, oh, and man. I thought yeah. that is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I just yeah, yeah. I don't. You know, I just yeah. thought okay. Mm-hmm. And isn't that curious that like the daughter picked out mm-hmm. a doll yeah, that was curious. a different yeah. race? Like at some point, this is something learned, right? Right. Like. Mm-hmm. And and we yeah. as and that mom might not have meant anything of it. Sure. Like she probably wanted. A doll to look like her daughter, yeah. right? Like, I know that for me, I never had an American Girl doll. That's another story for another time. <laughs> but I was a deprived child growing up, and I always wanted the one to order in the catalog that looked like me, the, the my American Girl doll, mm-hmm. you know? Like, oh, it's my mini-me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah. maybe, like, you, yeah, I think giving the mom the benefit of the doubt, but then also, like, self-recognizing like are we intentionally trying to expose our kids to mm-hmm. two things not from a place of guilt but just from a place of I don't know, love. To know. yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 
I actually do buy, I typically do buy, if I'm buying a doll, Mm -hmm. I do buy one with brown skin Mm -hmm. at least, you know, but I, all of my friends that have white little girls, if they invited me to the birthday parties, (laughs) the first thing I try to look for is a darker skinned, um, doll. Yeah. And there have been times where I have gone, gone to the store and I haven't found one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, where are the black babies? Mm-hmm. You know, where are the darker skin dolls? And sometimes they're just not there. Yeah. So, okay, if you want to, I mean, I guess in this day and age where everything's digital and you can get it in your doorstep in, in two days, you could probably find it. But it's like, when you want to go to the store and pick up a toy and you're thinking, oh, I'll just get this cute little brown skin and it just doesn't exist mm-hmm. that's also a problem mm-hmm. yeah well also there's not a lot of arab girl dolls except for <laughs> jasmine so <laughs> just throwing that one out there <laughs> so there might be a place for a half arab half mexican girl doll <laughs> american girl if you're listening <laughs> um how can we be a part of the solution then as mothers to racism like and, and understanding that this probably isn't going to ever get solved, right? Like expectation-wise mm-hmm. or not at least not having like, oh, I'm going to solve this. I just want to be very careful of that because I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if I put expectation like, I am going by my actions, I'm going to solve mm-hmm. racism. It's just not, it's not a, a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can we, like we're talking about the dolls and things like that, how can we as mothers be more active in being part of the solution instead of the problem. I mean, I think to your first, like, to your first point about the book, I mean, I think it comes from a place of humility. You know, I think our, we should look at, we should reflect and always say, what is, you know, the, my intention? Is it out of love? Is it out of jealousy? Is it out of, you know, fear? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe we just, I know it sounds very cliche, but it, it should start with love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, God is love and, and because we are of his image, Therefore, we are love, you know. So I yeah. feel like it needs to come from that place. Yeah. Um, I don't. How does that apply practically? I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. I think we'd all have to kind of um, figure that one out. But mm-hmm. I just think maybe we start with the intent, or you know, what we're trying. I don't know. Love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's great. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Just leading by example. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they're not going to do it. If they don't, you know, you, we want them, we want to set the example. So if, why are they going to do it if I'm not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's good. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Starting there. <laughs> yeah. And just being willing to enter into the awkward conversation, <laughs> yeah. you know, and letting things kind of fall where they where they will Mm -hmm. um you know it's it's hard it's a hard topic for so many people to even just wrap their brains around Mm -hmm. so being okay when somebody doesn't get it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that's the grace yes Mm -hmm. yeah for sure I mean when you there you're gonna have these conversations with people throughout your whole lifetime and some people are going to embrace the conversation. They're going to want to know more. They're going to lean in. And then other people are just going to throw their hands up and say, I don't get it. And, you know, they're going to keep that wall built. 
and mm-hmm. um, just understanding that you can't solve all the world's problems in just one or two conversations or just with one or two people, mm-hmm. you know, just living the life that the Lord um, has you to live and following in his, um, following in his ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just hoping that your children, like you were saying, your children will pick up from that mm-hmm. and carry that on as they grow and then carry it on to their kids. So, Yeah. I mean, I think what I think what I'm learning is that first, like I think to not be a believer, this is would be a really hard thing to even approach on how to to be part of the solution because I don't know what someone else's motive would be. Like for example, my motive is really to love God and to love others well. Mm-hmm. And and so with that being my motive, I feel like you know, it's not loving for me to constantly be afraid of hurting someone's feelings. Like to me to me I need to like lay down my fear of how, what they're going to respond like or even my fear that our friendship is going to be broken because of something I said or did. Um, like all of those fears, like to be laid down and and to rest in the fact that um, I'm pursuing to love God, I'm pursuing to know Him, and I'm pursuing to love others well, mm-hmm. and that's not attached to another person's um, response. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for me, that's that's hard um, to be able to make mistakes and not walk on eggshells uh, for the sake of me saving face. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, and as a mom, I mean, I don't know, you know, just trying to, I mean, I feel very fortunate that like, for example, I have y'all as friends, mm-hmm. you know, and that I have many other moms that are of different race than myself and our kids. And so um, maybe I'm just lucky and fortunate enough to have that for them. Um, but to at least try to continue to pursue that because soon enough they're going to be in their own little worlds, making their own little friends, right? Like right mm-hmm. now they're so dependent on who my friends are that their kids come along, but then they're going to get their own clicks because of their own whatever, um, not because mommy and daddy are friends with Susie and John or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's like a constant like learning and going as it as it goes, mm-hmm. but being okay with to have really awkward conversations Mm -hmm. lean into the yeah to awkward yeah it's Mm -hmm. hard yeah i feel like there's so many things that we could address Mm -hmm. like this could be a 12-part series oh yeah (laughs) absolutely Uh i agree you know like when when you guys are talking it's making me think of other things Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. experiences that i had or things that i've said or you know things that i've seen in the news or you know there's just Mm -hmm. so much to this um, but I think this is a good start, a good starting place. Yeah. Mm. Well, I appreciate y'all doing this with me. I really it's do. Thanks us. for being a friend, letting me force you to do this. <laughs> good conversation. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you for having the conversation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thanks for listening to the show today. Visit alwaysworkingmom.com for show notes, resources, and more info. 
Please subscribe to our podcast and download each show by hitting the plus symbol or the download cloud symbol. Y'all, we want to get to know you, sweet friend. So join our community by following us on Instagram at alwaysworking underscore mom. Music is provided by Kabbalistic Village titled Funky Vibes. See you next time.